my name is Ray Montgomery. Like to welcome you to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And on today's show, I have Mr. Ben Troutman, diversity and inclusion specialist at Old National Bank. How you doing today, Ben? Great, great to be with you, Ray. Oh yeah, glad you can uh, join us today. I wanted to bring you on the podcast today to uh, really learn more about your achievability program, mentorship, and you know, some of the diversity and inclusion efforts you are uh, working on throughout the state of uh, Indiana here. And Ben, I know you got a, a very interesting story. Got a chance to look at your TED Talk. Did a nice job there. Nice job. And uh, before I really, really get started with the interview, I wanted you to know if you can just really talk about, you know, how you were injured at 17 during that uh, dirt bike accident and how that kind of really changed your life. Yeah, you you said it, Ray. Uh, so I'm I'm 30, 32 now, um, and at age seventeen, uh, you know, fifteen years ago, involved in a dirt bike accident. You know, at that that time, being a, a junior in high school, you know, I had no idea what disability was all about. That was not you know a a, a word that was frequently used by myself or my family or any of my friends. And so, you know, being thrust into a life after, um, a dirt bike accident where, you know, disability was a part of every day, uh, was certainly uh, different. And I had to learn a lot, you know, after my injury, I spent a lot of different time, um, in, in multiple different uh, hospitals, rehab clinics. I went to Atlanta and Baltimore, um, spent time here in my hometown of Evansville for some time too, you know, just recovering and, and really realizing what it was like to have a disability um, and have a spinal cord, spinal cord injury in particular. And I suffered a C1 and C2 spinal cord injury. And, you know, life was different. Uh, but what I learned is that people are still out and about and still get along with life after significant disabilities. Uh, in fact, uh, just kind of roll into another uh, topic, Ray, is uh, a couple years later after my injury, I had the opportunity to serve as a, a national ambassador for Easter Seals, uh, another one of our really great not-for-profit friends, uh, and learn, travel all across the country uh, and learn a lot about people of all different abilities. Uh, you know, Easter Seals represents a lot of different disabilities and helps a lot of different disabilities. So I got to learn, you know, from the folks you serve at, at Bosma and, and other different places, um, just a lot about people's uh, families, their resiliency and the opportunities and obstacles that they face. And so as a 17-year-old kid that, you know, suffered a significant spinal cord injury to, you know, getting into, you know, feeling getting reacquainted with life and trying to build my confidence again, uh, learning that others were out there still, uh, still kicking, uh, was, was important. Uh, but it was certainly a time in my life where things changed and wasn't sure what was going on and the direction, but, uh, there are a lot of good people out there, you know, and so there's definitely a lot to learn. I know I went around, uh, that was a, uh, that was a long winded answer. Ray, but a lot to learn uh, as a young person, that's for sure. Yeah, because I know when I lost my sight at 17, I know that definitely was a life-changing experience. So did you have any um, 
somebody you could reach out to, maybe like a mentor or someone that should, could really kind of help guide you and to, I don't know, provide you with that extra confidence. That you yeah, really yeah, you know, and, and that's probably a, a lot of the resources that Bosma provide for uh, you know, folks in, in a position like yours is what, when I was uh, in Atlanta uh, at the Shepherd Center is the name of it, a spinal cord injury rehabilitation hospital. Uh, there were a lot of really good people that, that would come around, you know, that had similar injuries and that would try to explain, you know, what was going on. It would be around to rally. And in fact, they had a really good, uh, at Shepherd, they had a really good program that really taught uh, individuals like myself and family members about, you know, what life is going to be like. But Quite frankly, Ray, it's my friends and my family and the people that I had been around my entire life that stuck with me, that rallied behind me, that provided, uh, you know, the best advice and gave me the most enthusiasm. Yeah, you, you uh, touched so on something, though. I, I don't want yeah, to go ahead. You touched on something no. about family. And I know one thing, um, sometimes family could be, you know, sometimes they could hinder you, sometimes they could push mm-hmm. you forward. So how was it, you know, dealing with your family? Were they trying to do everything for you or were they, you know, giving you that extra kick? I think it was a little bit of, of all the above. You know, it was uh, my mother was there with me uh, every step of the way. My dad, who worked a full-time job or still does, um, was always there on weekends. And, you know, their personalities were always helpful because, you know, mom would do whatever was necessary and that dad could come in and give a, a little bit different perspective and then I have my brother come in and that'd be you know so I think that um you know family for me luckily you know my my immediate family my uncles and aunts and, and cousins and uh grand grandparents they all have different personalities and so it played a a really crucial role in the you know remembering that hey you know we're still even after a spinal cord injury, still human. Uh, we still have friends. We still have support. You probably realize this too. You know, one of the things that, that happen is you lose a lot of friends uh, after mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a, a life change too. But I think you, you kind of weave down to uh, the best people uh, that you can possibly find to surround yourself with. And that's, that's when you find those good mentors and when you find some of your best friends uh, is when you face adversity. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. I would say that. I mean, once you you're going to lose some, but the ones that, you know, are there are the ones that really need to be there because some of them could, you know, they could uh, be not so so friendly um, for the yeah, lack of better words. Right. You know, they well, can right. deal from you. You know, I, I mean, I've experienced all type of things <laughs> in life. So but yeah, but you end up going on and going to University of Southern Indiana. Talk about uh, USI and how uh, you were able to. Uh, achieve your uh, goals and going to college. Yeah. You know, that was an interesting experience uh, for me. I, you know, I t- talked a little earlier about being uh, a little anxious and, you know, not having the confidence that I, that I did before, you know, when I, again, when, when I was younger, I was a very confident person uh, and you become really used to your, your physical being and counting on your hands and arms and legs and feet. Um, and I'll be frank with you. Is you know in the beginning I wasn't very confident, and especially when I went to to USI, you know I, I wasn't sure of who I was. I wasn't yet comfortable uh, with who I was. I made a lot of good friends at 
at USI. I had no idea what I was going to get into, Ray, uh, in regards to education and regards to uh, you know next steps in my career. Uh, I really enjoyed and, and thought that uh, radio and television broadcasting was something that I wanted to do uh, and pursued that as uh, a major uh, right off the bat. And I had a lot of fun in that. And, uh, but then I worked an internship and figured out that as someone with a, a spinal cord injury that requires you know, a nurse to take me to and from work, that the late hours and minimal pay probably wasn't going to work the best for me. Um, and then I, as mentioned earlier, had, had that experience with uh, Easter Seals, you know, where I got to basically uh, advocate um, and do PR work for Easter Seals. It made me realize that PR and advertising is uh, was was the way that I wanted to go, and so I switched my major, and I I got into public relations and advertising. Um, I I really regret, and I'll tell this to anybody, any young person or anybody that's going through anything um, or any type of life scenario, disability or not. And so I look back at my time at USI, and I wish I would have become a little bit more invested in my time, whether it was you know, a club or you know, staying around for more games, uh, basketball games or sports or anything. Um, and, you know, now I'm starting to get more invested in, in USI. And I think, why didn't I do this sooner? But I had a, a great experience uh, at USI. It's a, a marvelous campus. Uh, it's beautiful. It's very accessible. Um, all the professors were great. And I, I think that's really where I started to, to realize and, and become a little bit more confident in who I was is you know, being out and making relationships with professors uh, and thinking about my career as, you know, someone that, yeah, sure has a disability, but someone that has a lot to offer. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So you went on from USI to uh, working at old national bank and talk about um, your diversity and inclusion efforts that you're implementing here at, I mean, excuse me, at uh, old national bank. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, again, I, I would have had no clue that I would end up uh, in banking uh, or in the bank banking world. Uh, right before I graduated from USI, I spent some time networking with local executives. And two of those executives happened to be uh, the former chairman and CEO of Old National Bank and our, our current president uh, of uh, Old National Bank and was really just talking about my passion for advocacy, uh, for disability inclusion. I talked about my passion for sports. Obviously, Old National did not have a sports program. I'm right. <laughs> so I'm still looking for that baseball team, uh, Ray, but we'll, we'll find it someday. But uh, And what we really connected on was uh, trying to build a more inclusive culture um, at Old National and the community that, that we serve. And so, uh, you know, after doing a little bit of networking and having a few conversations with uh, HR folks. Uh, I was presented an opportunity to join the bank to help our company be become more inclusive of people with disabilities. And when I was given that, uh, that offer, I thought, wow, really? That's, that's a, that's a thing. It was very early on, uh, seven years ago in the, the disability inclusion movement. And so, you know, when I, joined the company. There were not a lot of other companies out there doing this work. And one of the things that and you mentioned this earlier, Ray, is the, the, kind of really the first, uh, the first program that we came up with that we identified that we could implement in our company 
um, is a mentoring program, and that's achievability. And so, as a company that was very early on uh, in our endeavors, you know, in 2014, 2015, when I first started, the figuring out how do we promote promote a more inclusive uh, atmosphere, um, we kind of looked at the DNA of our own company, which mentorship and leadership uh, are two of the the key components of, of really who we are. Um, and we decided to start a mentorship uh, called Achievability that pairs uh, aspiring professionals with disabilities with some of our leaders at Old National uh, for a 10-month-long relationship. And that we've had uh, now over 70 mentees in our program. Uh, we've hired some mentees out of the program. We've offered internships to some of the folks, many of them we've helped uh, get positions other places. We've helped empower young people really with that confidence that I talked about earlier, because you know what I know is that you know, the confidence that I, that I built over time, Ray, was you know through friends and through business networks and through my you know professors that believed in, in me. And so what I knew is that if we could start a mentorship at Old National that empowered young people, that gave them that same confidence, gave them that professional network of somebody in the community, as in a Old National leader, that they would have the confidence uh, in themselves. And quite frankly, and, and selfishly as a company, um, we get to meet uh, a boatload of wonderful young people, um, anywhere from having a spinal cord injury to autism to blindness or deafness, uh, cerebral palsy, and much more. And so we've we've been introduced to um, a litany of, of wonderful people of, of all abilities. And we're learning, um, just as I did when I was an Easter Seals rep, about people of all different abilities. But but our, our leaders are learning about people of all different abilities. And those leaders might be just like I was when I was in high school and did not know anything about disability most of them are you know most of our leaders don't have you know a, a really strong relationship with someone with a visual impairment or maybe haven't had a best friend that's a that has a spinal cord injury and so ray we're creating relationships one at a time we're working one person at a time one relationship at a time to create a more inclusive company and those are the lessons that are really transforming the way that uh, that we lead and the way that we conduct ourselves every single day. So talk about how these relationships are really uh, educating the um, mentor, you know, because they may not know about how a person who was blind, you know, mm -hmm. uses a computer or how a person who has an intele um, intellectual disability does, you know, their job. So talk about how that relationship really is um, expanding the reach and really educating uh, those in um, those professional positions. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you about one uh, particular uh, mentor and mentee. Our former CFO, his name was Chris. Um, I connected him with a young lady that had just graduated from uh, the University of Evansville uh, with a degree in finance and accounting. Uh, and her name is Madeline. Madeline's a one wonderful young person. Uh, it's funny, I actually spoke to her on the phone this morning. Um, she, um, just outgoing, very, very friendly, but also happened to be almost entirely blind. She had a degenerative condi condition that has led to where she is today. 
And when I told Chris, our former CFO, uh, about Madeline, that she's very involved at the university, that she's you know, pursuing a degree in finance and accounting, uh, that she's a friendly and wonderful person. Uh, and then I shared that she's almost entirely blind. He openly questioned to me, Ben, you know, how in the world is she going to um, you know, get by or be able to keep up uh, with all the different software? softwares and numbers and, you know, all those different things uh, that are important to utilize in the, the finance industry. And I suggested that, hey, just meet with Madeline and have a conversation. And what Chris quickly realized is that, you know, Madeline is about to graduate from the University of Evansville, and they don't just give, give out these degrees. He learned that uh, she used assistive technology, just as you do, Ray, and many others, uh, to do similar uh, and equal work uh, to get to be able to work through Excel and all the different things that, you know, folks in the uh, accounting and finance industry do. Uh, he, Chris, then learned that Madeline had just returned from a trip uh, to Europe where she traveled to five different countries, or 15 different countries, I'm sorry, 15 different countries, five of them all by herself. And so what Chris realized is that the limitations that he had placed on someone like Madeline with, with a visual impairment were only in his mind. They were only assumptions. And by creating a relationship and by asking questions about the life that she lived and just getting to know her as a person, it opened his mind to all of the things that individuals of all abilities uh, can accomplish and can do uh, themselves. And so, you know, for those 70 plus relationships uh, that have been made over the past six or seven years, uh, that's what we hope. And those are the one-on-one -on -one relationships that are transforming again, who we are uh, by literally just making friends and having personal relationships with people. So, so how was it when you, you know, first started working at old national bank, what kind of, uh, accommodations did, you know, they make in order to accommodate you? Sure. So I use voice recognition. So since I don't have, you know, the ability to, to functionally use, uh, you know, my arms or legs or, or hands, I use, uh, uh speech recognition program uh, on my computer. Um, so, you know, we obviously uh, equipped my computer with speech recognition. We put it, uh, connected it to a bigger screen. It sits a little bit higher. I'm in a larger power wheelchair. So the, the screen sits a little bit higher so I can pull up to it and see it. Uh, I have to have a, a little bit of breathing uh, apparatus uh, around me just in case there's a problem. Uh, so they put me in an office where, one, I could close the door if I'm saying all kinds of crazy things, too. Uh, to my voice recognition software, uh, but also, you know, if there's any type of, of breathing issue uh, that I might have. So we had a little storage compartment uh, installed. We thought about uh, the escape escape route. Uh, I'm on the third floor of the old national headquarters building uh, in downtown Evansville, Indiana. And so there is, uh, we have, we have trained some uh, emergency folks uh, to to know how to get me down uh, the stairs just in case there, there's a, a piece of equipment. It's called a med sled. It's just, it's literally just like a sled. And basically you throw me from my chair to a sled and uh, 
and, and slide me down the stairs. And we have folks that are trained uh, in that. Uh, we also added a couple of automatic doorways uh, that can get around the third floor and other floors of the office, uh, just basically by uh, just having a key fob that I carry in my pocket that detects when I'm there. Um, and quite frankly, the biggest, um, you know, these are little things, but the, the biggest uh, type of um, accommodation uh, is time. You know, I have a uh, a nurse that uh, takes me to, to work and you know, gets me there. And sometimes I can't uh, show up at, uh, you know, perfectly on time at 7 a.m. Uh, because the nurse has has to be, you know, at my house um, at 7 a.m. So usually I don't arrive until 9.30 and I work a little bit later because of that. And so the reason I articulate that is the accommodation that I think is most important is creating a position and an atmosphere where they're flexible with time and the time that I arrive. Uh, so, uh, you know, a couple of different things in that, in that list, but basically it's just understanding that, you know, people that live life a little bit differently on a different time, uh, time frame. And, and so it's just being thoughtful about all those little things that play into really me and others being successful. Yeah. I would say transportation is the, probably one of the biggest hurdles that, you know, mm -hmm. people who are blind and people who cannot drive will face. I mean, cause I'm at the mercy of <laughs> the driver that in some cases, you know, pray that they, they be on time. <laughs> but you know and, yeah whether that's you know blindness or you know physical disability yeah. um that you're right i mean that's that's what i hear all across the country is, is that and in fact you know i, I mentioned uh madeline uh, again i talked with her this morning about her next steps in her career she's looking to get into not-for-profit work um and she had actually gotten a um but she had gotten a home and she was working remotely for the past two years through covid and um, she's realized that she doesn't want to work remotely anymore, and, but and she wants to work in the not-for-profit sector instead of the public sector. And what's interesting, to your point of uh, you know transportation issues, she's now thinking I need to find an apartment or a house that is very close to that not-for-profit that I get hired onto. And so it's it, you know it's something that that I kind of think about, uh, but it's. Something in your world, uh, and those who are visually impaired, that you also have to count on you know, people to every same as me. You got to have someone that takes you to and fro. Uh, but if you can be conveniently located next to work, you know that would be a heck of a lot easier. But oh, yeah, uh, that'd be wonderful, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let, let me transition though. Um, how did you uh, how did you get introduced to Bosman Enterprises and uh? What's your uh, relationship with Bosman? What do you plan on um, doing with the partnership? Yeah, you know, it, it's not uh, when you're in the disability inclusion space, um, you, you can't go very far, especially in the state of Indiana, without hearing about Bosman. It's such a great reputation uh, around the state. Uh, in fact, one of our our first, uh, and I don't, Ray, I'm not, I'm spacing on how I got connected uh, to um, Chris Dunla Dunlavy, who uh, an individual, an attorney, uh, who became blind uh, later in his life, uh, that was recommended to me from someone from Bosma or someone in the Indianapolis community. I got to know Chris um, and learned about you know his visual impairment. Uh, learned about more of him 
and his family. And he was probably the third or fourth person that participated in um, our achievability program. We paired him with uh, our uh, chief legal uh, officer at the time. And uh, so the reason I bring up Chris is he received services from from Bosma um, after uh, he started going blind. And he then invited us up to uh, myself and some other colleagues up to do a tour uh, of Bosma, uh, of the services he received. He then started a job at Bosma. Uh, now he's uh, he's with Eli, Eli Lilly, but it was really just a kind of networking, right, that got, got me to Bosma. You know, as soon as you start investing in the disability community and starting to learn about people and the services they receive, you learn about the great places. And Chris had uh, very uh, great things to say about about Bosma and his time working there and his time receiving services there. And so my intention for the future uh, is to continue to uh, have that commitment of friendship and meeting new people through Bosma that that we can then introduce to mentors uh, because, you know, it is, and I'll, I'll say this out loud, I might get in trouble for it later, but that's the way I roll, <laughs> is that, man, if we could find a way as a financial institution uh, to hire uh, and successfully uh, support an individual with a visual impairment in our industry. Uh, one, one, two, three, five, I don't know. Let's start somewhere. I think that would be uh, incredible. And so, you know, whether it's mentorship, uh, whether it's finding positions, uh, whether it's just, you know, consulting with Bosma on the, the technologies out there, whether it works with our software as a company, uh, it's all about partnership. It's all about, you know, sharing lessons learned and figuring things out. You know, if we're going to be more inclusive as a company, it's trying things that we might be uncomfortable with. And for, for me, I, you know, what do I know about, you know, visual impairments or the software software? I kind of just know my own stuff. Right. Uh, but the more that we work with people like you, Ray, the more that we work with people at Bosma, to learn about the software, to learn about, you know, the challenges uh, and just try things out. You know, again, whether that's uh, mentorship or full-time employment, I am destined, I am determined to uh, make things work. And it all just starts with a relationship. It starts with a, a conversation, but mostly with an open mind to uh, to try, try and get things done. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. We're just having an open mind and not really... Uh, going off stereotypes and myths or things that you've seen uh, mm -hmm. characterized on television about what the capabilities of this individual who has a certain disability can or cannot do. So, you know, once you, you know, open your mind and, you know, there's a sense of technology that's actually out here leveling the playing field and allows us to, you know, work and be independent and you know, hopefully one day I get one of these autonomous vehicles and I'm gonna be driving again. So <laughs> you and me both, man. You and me both. <laughs> I'm gonna go try it out. But before yeah. I get you out of here, uh Ben, so how do how do we just make this world more inclusive? How do we uh just continue to change the minds of these employers so we can continue to um provide our have opportunities to provide for our families, be productive citizens, and you know, not being able to not you know, just being reliant on SSDI and trying to live up these benefits because you and I know that's that's not feasible when you're really trying to move up and have a family. So how do we just really uh, open the minds of these employers about the capabilities of individuals with various disabilities? That's the uh, the billion dollar question, right? Is 
I think, I think honestly, it's, uh, it's twofold. It's, you talk about businesses. I really think, I truly believe that the business community is starting to rally around disability inclusion. Yeah. You know, if you search through your LinkedIn feed or, you know, just look around at some of the value, values uh, of uh, larger companies, you know, diversity inclusion, inclusion is uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, the buzzword. Um, has become uh, much more focused, uh, but we need to continue to make sure that disability is a part of that equation. You know, it's easy to um, you know just think about right away when you hear DEI or diversity and inclusion that uh, that that means uh, the African American population, or that means women, or that means LGBTQ. You know, this is disability is one of the uh, as fly or uh, flown under the radar for a long period of time, but I really, really, truly believe, and I apologize, I got a phone call that I can't hang up. That's that's uh, let's in the background. That's the uh, the not being able to use my my hands thing. Everybody understands that on this call. Um, but um, I think that disability inclusion has become real, really something that the companies are starting to figure out that it is very valuable. Um, you, know, you think about uh, you know one in five you know people have a disability. Uh, I think it's it's really uh, we can continue to advocate the way we are right now, right? We continue to ask businesses and network with other businesses. I can tell you, you know, from an old national bank perspective, um, that I try and get out there with as many businesses as possible that might have uh, you know a passion for inclusion inclusion work and tell them a little bit about what we do you know i'm not trying to brag although i will because uh, i feel good about it but i'm trying to more inspire um to think about ways that you know you can be more inclusive so i think one you know having those continued conversations uh continue to meet great people i mean you know if we were to introduce you right as somebody eli lily or a small business uh and just got to know the personality, man, it would be like, let's figure it out. I think that's how we foster more inclusion. It's literally by, by creating more relationships and, and more friendships. But I also, um, I'll to touch on the, the, your last point um, about SSI and uh, Medicaid and Medicare and all those different um, really valuable pieces, but also scary things uh, for individuals with disabilities, I think it starts with education. Uh, we need to equip individuals with disabilities, their families, uh, their friends, mostly families and the individuals themselves with better knowledge about you know how they are able to save their money and continue to pursue a career. You know, there are ABLE accounts out there, you know, where you can save funds and, and we want to educate more about ABLE. Uh, there are special needs trusts that you can start to save funds um, and not jeopardize your Medicaid uh, enrollment. Um, there are, you know, there's a Medicaid buy-in program in the state of Indiana um, that you can participate in and, and try and find a way not to jeopardize. What I know, and I think that you know as well, uh, Ray, is that, you know, some people don't get back into the workforce because they are afraid of losing the current benefits they have. And I think that is just, all entirely wrong. I think what we need to do, and one of the things I'm actually working with a few of my colleagues on, is creating a educational platform. Uh, we're calling it Tools for Financial Empowerment um, to better equip individuals with disabilities and their families about 
knowledge uh, about Medicaid, Medicare, the buy-in programs, you know, what you're able to earn, where you're able to save um, so that you can feel a little more comfortable um, and a little uh, less scared about getting back to work. So not only, you know, is it employers that uh, need to be educated and enthused and understand the value of bringing in people of all different abilities. Um, it's also the people themselves that I'll, I'll tell you this, Ray, it took me a year to figure out how much uh, I was allowed to make per month uh, and annually. And my dad is, is a judge and was an attorney for 15 years. And so I know that if it's uh, tough uh, for me to find out that information, I know it's tough for your average regular person that doesn't have a connection with with the law. So again, Old National uh, is committed to create uh, a financial education and empowerment uh, solution, uh, hopefully an education platform where we teach people about, you know, these are some of the options. Sure, they're not always the best options, uh, but they're option, options nonetheless. So I think we need to, you know, to kind of sum this up, Ray, is, um, not only do we need to continue to educate employers and share the enthusiasm, uh, but uh, we need to continue to educate uh, ourselves about the way that we can overcome some of those uh, hurdles that we might see out there and some of those insecurities um, of, you know, possibly, you know, losing benefits. So many ways to go about it, a lot of work to, to do, but there's never been a better time to do it. I think our world is ready to transform. Our world is uh, ready to be more inclusive. So it's a good time to get started. Well, once again, Ben, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and, um, you know, doing all your advocacy work and everything you're doing to uh, make this world more inclusive. So if a business wants to get involved with Achievability, how would they go about getting in contact with you? Email me directly, ben.trockman at oldnational.com, B-E-N, period, T-R-O-C-K-M-A-N, at oldnational.com, um, or you can give me a call 812-468-7898 just like just like that ray yes sir yes sir once again thank you sir and if you guys want to learn more about bosman enterprises please visit us on the web at www.bosman.org make sure you're following us on all social media platforms and definitely make sure you're subscribed to the navigating blindness podcast apple google and on soundcloud and ben i thank you sir once again and i'll talk to you guys next week